1: If you don't laugh, you're gonna go on a killing screen shot and
0: neglect. <laughs> <laughs> Confidence of a hero or a fool. I wasn't exactly certain which.
1: Could not be more professional. It's one. I to my to. That's okay.
0: It means something. It means something.
1: And they you know,
0: that's my take you now with what's here is.
2: That's like a science thing,
0: right? Indeed, indeed, indeed. It is a science thing. It is a science place. It is a scientific fact that we are all up in your face. It is time once again for the one, the only, Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal! Welcome to it. Got a great show for you tonight. Very talented uh talented lady coming out. Karina Round of the band Pucifer. Robust s- solo career of her own. And she's even, she's worked with, with tears for fears, if you can believe it. So, incredible multi-talented lady. Uh, there's a, of course, this is very timely. Uh, for those of us joining for the first time, welcome, welcome. The name of the show is Kona Neutron, Protonic Reversal. It happens on Radio Note. Thursdays, 8 Eastern, 7 Central, 6 Mountain, 5 Pacific, you can find the archives for all the rest of these shows at uh, protonicaversal.com to get all of them. This is the 212th, 212th show. Yes, there is a live streamed event for the record release coming up. I'm going to drop that in the comments. If you didn't already know about it, check it out. It's going to be pretty interesting. But I guess what we're going to we're going to be talking about that in uh, mere moments, really. So, yeah, a little housekeeping. For those unfamiliar with the show, the show is podcasted everywhere. So you can listen at a later time, and that's okay. The shows are podcasted uh, first to the Patreon, which is a dollar a month. will get you advanced access. You get everything immediately. Meaning that uh, if you want a podcast of this show, which I guess is sort of meta since we're on the show right now, maybe you're listening to it. Or another show that you just want to hear sooner, right? What you would do is you would give at the $1 a month level for Patreon. Patreon.com slash Reversal. Otherwise, shows always free. Uh, no exceptions. Uh, no ads. No sponsors. No kidding. That's the way it's always going to be. So if you are interested in that kind of stuff right there, otherwise, wherever podcasts are downloaded, streamed, uh, whatever. Let's get right down to it and... Talk to Karina, and with us now is none other than Karina Round. Welcome to the show. Hi. You have a new record coming out, but you also have something I think is uh, just as exciting: this live Akrasanti, uh live stream
3: happening. Yeah, live Arcus Arcasanti. Arcasanti, sorry. Uh- that's streaming tomorrow with the release of the record uh i don't know where you are but i'm in los angeles so it's going to be around three if you're on the east coast it'll be six um and it's pre-recorded because you know there's a few tricks involved that wouldn't be possible to do it fully live so uh, if you're planning to take a road trip to Arcosanti to try and catch the, the live <laughs> situation. we might I be a little bit a day
0: late, a dollar short, as they say, right?
3: <laughs> yeah. I kind of want, I want to send a drone just to catch that. But, um,
0: <laughs> See all the confused I know people. <laughs> some
3: people on Facebook have mentioned that that's what they're going to do, but uh, good luck. So yeah, that's, that's going out tomorrow. I think it's going to be, I can say this because I really had nothing to do with the, the set but i think it's going to be stunning
0: it's a really beautiful and interesting location
3: yeah it's kind of like it's an experimental city that was made in the early 70s or started making being made in the early 70s i think it's an honestly it's an ongoing project um it was designed by an architect called paolo soleri who was a a student of Frank Lloyd Wright, if I remember correctly, Um, they had some kind of falling out. But it's when you're there, it kind of feels like these gorgeous concrete structures just kind of mushroomed up in the middle of the Arizona desert. And his idea, I think, was to try to you know marry the land and the urban structure in a way where there could be better symbiosis where you know neither of them had to be destroyed or compromised um so that wasn't just like the insane sprawl that any kind of the city is right now it was kind of built very intricately and kind of complex and kind of built upwards but to maintain the kind of light and the the standard of living that people are used to but you know it's a really very interesting place it feels a little bit like you just woke up on mars yeah on the it has the like world.
0: alien vibe almost <laughs> right totally yeah
3: yeah yeah so it's kind of perfect for for, for this show really um yeah, I think, I think the choice came from, you know, we could do a live stream in a venue mm-hmm. or a theater or in a box, but, you know, I think the music is so mysterious and multi layered and has a, a certain, like, sonic landscape that we, we work well with Arcasanti. And I think the choice was to choose a venue or a place that brought another dimension to the music itself so that watching it wouldn't be a step down from listening to the record it's just it's it's a experience within itself
0: right because the context changes what yeah, it is you're hearing exactly. and seeing and so then yeah and it's it's something that uh, for folks that uh, you know again this is going to be primarily for folks listening today of course but the you know the, there's pictures of it on the site it's you know it is really cool like it, it's it does have that you know, alternate dimension, alien landscape, kind of, kind of thing yeah. going on, and not just because of the location, not just because it's Paradise Valley, which is, you know, just absolutely gorgeous in general, but yeah, you know, you know it is sort of from that style of architecture before everything kind of settled on these brutalist boxes that <laughs> mm-hmm. we think of yeah, as buildings. Yeah, no, it's
3: really so gorgeous. It's so, it's such a beautiful little place, and. You know, it kind of feels like it's uh, for a little a place that's so small to create such a legacy and such a community. It's kind of bordering on, and I don't want this to sound bad or to offend anybody. It borders on cultish,
1: sure, because no. the
3: people the people that <laughs> yeah, are involved yeah. are so involved and they're so passionate about it, and they really feel it seems like they're really just found a way of life that really resonates with them and you know it's tiny and for that to have such a huge effect on people I I, I don't know it's kind of a beautiful thing to watch to see and, and this, I couldn't do it myself I'd go nuts but right
0: <laughs> but but it's still but it's still fascinating to yeah to, to be in exactly. its orbit and it's interesting, so and then of course the the new record is existential reckoning and that's uh-huh. something where
3: it sounds so funny when you say it i know
0: yeah i, I tried to give <laughs> it a little throw throw a little english on it right uh
3: well yeah it just makes it sound so heavy and...
0: existential
1: reckoning <laughs>
3: <laughs> but it's in the movies
0: <laughs> in a world yeah exactly uh, but the it, it, i i i like that the whole you sort of you know mystique and presentation with it, it has the uh, uh, sort of classified you know government classification oh, yeah. documents like the, the the FBI. I mean, I suppose some people will say Men in Black. I just think of in terms of you know uh, sci-fi movies yes. in general kind of thing. <laughs> and it, it strikes me as like that's kind of like oh that's a fun way to sort of uh, present this, but also it's it's a way of presenting. I mean, it, it seems it seems like the whole. Modus with the band is to let the music speak to itself and avoid categorization and any kind mm-hmm. of uh, thing along those lines. So it's sort of like, oh, that's a way to sort of draw that line in the sand, but also kind of have fun with it. <laughs> Maybe yeah. a little bit too, like not be jerks about it, but...
3: Yeah, I think you nailed it. I Honestly, I think comedy itself is such an important medium for helping a society process things that are happening to them or, you know, the the world that they're living in. I feel like it's a shame to just eliminate that from the idea of music when the story is so powerful and so important. Like why not have that extra medium to, to express it? You know, I feel like, I don't know. I can't speak for a minute, but I feel like it's a big part of this process is is comedy, healing through it. The, one of the first things that we connected on was some um, stupid English humor. Oh, Like sure. Monty Python yeah. or, you know, League of Gentlemen or Little Britain or, you know.
0: Love all those. Also, very dry, kids in the hall, Canadian very, stuff. Uh, yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> well, and it's sort of like the commitment to the bit can kind of be as funny as what's actually being said rather than just like the, you know, hyper aware, hit you over the head with a mallet.
3: (laughs) Well, why does it have to be this one thing? Like, why do you have to box yourself in, in that way? It becomes more of a multimedia experience. We also have, you know, videos and, and, you know, incredible sets, but that's never in question because that's been integrated more into music and shows in the past. But, you know, it's something he's good at, and it's something that he feels confident expressing himself. That's a medium in which he feels confident expressing himself. So, fuck, go for it. Can I swear?
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> or should I guess I should say, <laughs> fuck yeah, huh? But... <laughs>
3: fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. At first, when I first joined the band, I was like, slightly confused by it, because I just didn't fucking understand it but then you know I learned to just let it become me a little bit find my own place in it and it's and not try to not try to drive it not try to be a part of his funny thing just like be my own thing within this and I just became much more comfortable with it also the humor got a lot funnier (laughs)
0: <laughs> totally. So, so, And you touched on a couple things there and, and not the least to which is I just want to have like almost a disclaimer of that. I, I f- firmly agree that there's a place for humor in music that isn't, you know, doesn't make doesn't diminish or make things goofy. It actually is quite the opposite, it actually yeah. adds to the overall thing. But it's also funny to yeah. see who does and does not get the joke sometimes um, in, yeah. in, in like the Bill Hicks school.
3: Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: But you, you hit it on. Was... A... Oh, go ahead. Sorry.
3: Not you. No, I was just going th- to say, I think you hit on
0: an important point with that uh, too. That, I mean, cause you have, you came into this band, you know, already, you know, being a songwriter and already having a catalog and having the way that you write and the, and the way that you create. Uh, I mean, what yes. have you learned with this band collaboration collective? I don't know how you want to, how it should be termed today. What, what have you learned with songwriting uh, with this and like, how does, it, how does it all fit in with your process?
3: Well, I think I actually learned a lot. And one of those things was that I didn't have to be totally in control of everything. And I didn't have to be tortured over every decision, which, you know, was what my writing process used to be like. You know, the first, the first thing I was hit with when I started collaborating with these guys was that it was a true collaboration even if at the time at the very beginning I had very I had very little control of what I was doing because the record was already kind of done and I had to
0: you're just adding your you know, thing to something that already yeah to, to
3: the EP but also the first thing I ever did for them which was my audition so to speak was uh, Humbling River so
1: mm-hmm.
3: I, and, and you know I just went for it on that because it just was I went up to Arizona to to meet Maynard, I guess, and he was his was in a different totally different headspace because something was going on with the winery and Matt and I just ended up being in the studio together with like vague direction by Maynard, which I now think was just on purpose. He just gave me vague direction to see what I would then come up with. And I just put everything on there and most of it and the being kept and it just it just very quickly became obvious that this was these were people that i could work with comfortably that had chosen me for what i have already and what i could potentially bring to it there was nobody trying to tell me what to do nobody controlling my input and nobody was controlling each other's input There was, you know it, everyone has their own strengths, and they're their own trying to do better than they've done before. But the important thing is they're also trying to serve the song, and not just like put themselves on it for Showboat the sake of it. Showboat,
0: or yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs> yeah. So and <laughs> and and, 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 and then he... that's how and that's how the the relationship just naturally evolved, really, until now, where. I, you know, I have a lot more involvement in the from earlier on. So the stuff right. that I end up doing has more of a part in how it turns out. As opposed to really early on when I was less confident, less sure of my place in the band and would err more on the side of, hey, let's just add some flavor here and there.
0: Right, but now you have like a, then... a greater understanding <laughs> of the language. Like you have a fluency. Uh, with it, right? So you're able to yeah. kind of uh, speak in a different more way. More of a
3: fluency and just more of like a inbred trust within the three of us, you know, where it's just like nobody... There's an understanding that nobody's going to try and overdo anything. And there's also an understanding of it's greater than the sum of its parts. Like Maynard just... Mm-hmm. I, I just did an interview with him and he explained it as, you know, it's like a supporting actor... Who's not trying to overshadow the main actor, but at the same time the main part wouldn't work if that support wasn't there.
0: Right. It's all part of the greater it's so, all part of the puzzle. It's all part of the of the greater thing, right? Yeah.
3: And those and those roles shift between all of us at different times. So we're all just trying to support what everybody else is doing. Um, um but ultimately serving the song.
0: And it's – there's something where when you've, you've worked with folks enough, you kind of get a certain feel for where they're going or what they're doing, even when it's something It's new. funny.
3: Everybody says that. I never know what he's going to do.
0: Really? Really? Okay, well, never.
3: Is, I was going to say if that was the case it's, here, but you just answered it for me. <laughs> no, it's not. The thing is, Matt's stuff is always first. It's preliminary. So we always know what's going on there because that's the key that unlocks the door. His stuff is done first and he puts all his ideas in a folder and that essentially is setting the scene for what the rest of the album is going to be. And I I get to hear that stuff and marinate in it, but I try to just let it into my subconscious without my monkey brain trying to write something to it you know, I just try and let it be.
0: Okay. Interesting. I see. I see. So you're kind of almost like not trying to keep it in the foreground and keep it in the conscious brain, but you're.
3: Yeah. I just try and get a vibe for what the fuck is going on. And then (laughs) Maynard will, whenever there's a window of time, that's when we're like, okay, guys, we're going to make a record. And then he will start putting his ideas on there, whether it just be a rhythm or a, a full vocal with melodies, or you know, some weird puzzle that he has going on. And the moment he's on it, I'm all over it. As soon as I feel like his part is something that I can build from and not just crush, if I'm singing all over it, then you know, then I'm on it. But for the most part, whenever I hear something that he does first, I'm just like, what? Where does that come from? <laughs> and then. Okay, sure. that's why that's why I try not to get an idea of what the song is supposed to be because he will invariably like tear that away you don't want to me. go
0: too far down the road and come up with something that maybe you get attached to and they're like oh this doesn't fit it, at all
3: yeah I do. well sometimes that's fun you know sometimes that can happen and it works like Fake Affront for instance mm-hmm. you know I essentially both Amanda and I sang on a completely different song to what it ended up being and then Matt just broke it and gave it back to us as a, a new song with our parts all over it and then I sang some other parts to kind of glue it together and make it f- fit from my end and it just turned out really fucking cool because Yeah that's was... an interesting
0: tune so so is that when you are you looking for the connective thread then to kind of like how do I join these these things together or or do you kind of take the discordance of of kind of having two different directions as
1: I think it just.
3: I think all of us were just uneasy about that song. Everyone was just like, "It's not kind of, it's not totally doing it." And then Matt just, you know, he's just so good at that. He he's so good at not having too much attachment. And if if he's starting to feel like it's not working, he can very quickly hate what's going on and just break it totally. There's no preciousness to that. He just wants it to be. A great outcome. He's not attached to the idea he had initially, so he kept a lot of the the main points. But then he just, I think what he did was, if I remember rightly, he just completely turned it upside down in terms of like the base part. Mm-hmm. that he played on it that's the one that he played bass on and he played a stick a Chapman stick so it's and, already and kind of have, weird uh,
0: yeah i was gonna say those have their own kind <laughs> of uh, well there's some might say stigma but i'm gonna say association with them that, uh, that they're just you know for lack of a better can, term yeah, well, strange instruments get, right
3: <laughs> we can get to stigma later but yeah it's it's it certainly has a really unique sound and used correctly it's very cool so he and he was really excited about the instrument and wanted to use it on something. And it just turned out this was a perfect thing. So, you know, and then so some of my vocals that were on there before got used, but then I just it opened it up so that I could, I don't know, do the weird, crazy stuff at the end. And I don't remember the question.
0: <laughs> well, we were talking more about how so 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 fake <laughs> affront is like a you, you you guys are going like two different directions, right? You know, and then you, but then you found a way to merge it together. Oh uh, yeah, we're
3: talking, about people, yeah. Yeah, no, <laughs> we talking about people doing weird shit. Yeah, no, we are talking about people doing weird shit. Yeah, I think ultimately no one really knows where it's gonna end up or where it's gonna go, and that keeps it kind of exciting, you know. And but at the same time, there's a trust that whatever is happening is going to be serving the song like I say everybody was like Greg Edwards played bass on this record and Sarah Jones for the most part played drums and and Gunnar Olsen played on a couple of tracks but everyone that's chosen is chosen for their the voice that they have you know Greg plays fretless bass which was very exciting to Matt and Maynard for this and also very exciting for Greg because who who what kind of bass player who's as good as him that can play fretless doesn't want a chance to be able to do that. Yeah. So
0: why not? Because why, it kind of seems like there's, it's not like it's no rules, but it's sort of like, there's a sense of adventure kind of baked into the whole thing. So why wouldn't you? Right. Yeah, I
3: think there is no, there are no rules, really. The rule is, uh, there, there are no rules, but what happens is, like I said before, everybody is their own quality control and everyone you know by the time the parts are given to you they've already been like overdone and stripped back and you know they're already in a place where the person feels yeah this is something that i'm happy to to put to put it on this record and then matt will either leave it as it is or he'll totally like i said break it, it and move yeah. your parts <laughs> around <laughs> <Right>. and <really laughs> get everything up and either way it sounds great um in terms of stigma it's interesting you should say that because some of the main instruments on this record are potentially things that could have been stigmatized in the past and i think i guess there's a bigger picture to it which is there is this romanticism of like things advancing very quickly and technologically and having all of this stuff at your fingertips so that you can do whatever you want with it. But ultimately, personally, I feel like that can stifle any kind of real creativity because it's so overwhelming. Like where do you start? Where do you take the first bite? And one of the instruments that had a huge part at the beginning of this record was the Fairlight CMI, which we talk about the Chapman Stick, but it had a lot of presence on, you know, Peter Gabriel records, yeah, and right. also Kate Bush, um, The Dreaming, and Hands of Love, um, and a lot of, you know, probably Thomas Dolby talk about stigma i mean, <laughs> earlier like am i allowed am i allowed to like him yet like <laughs> i would say yes if, not, if nothing else i think i think the
0: safe move is you respect the innovation or oh, i respect the innovation yeah it's like, all right whatever exactly. the music's pretty good too <laughs>
1: yeah
3: exactly it's just again it was it was pushing the boundaries of things and I, matt is such a he's such a I don't want to say kid because that sounds stupid, but he is. He's brilliant tech in, with technology, has it at his fingertips, and he could literally figure out how to use anything and but, within hours, and, and it's great. But I think what he was attracted to with the Synclavia and the Fairlight is that it provides him certain constraints. You know, you're working within right. this very specific box, and it's also incredibly tactile. It's a keyboard with a... Yeah, the a... Fairlight's
0: crazy. That, that's a really wild instrument. I mean, because that's like, you know, late like late 70s, right? And it was sort of, uh, if I remember, I think the... Early 80s, like
3: 1992, 83. Oh, was, was, was it
0: early? Okay, but it's it's was almost uh, like not meant to be a thing for people to use. It was just sort of, let's try this and see what happens. And you get this weird, like, vibrato LFO. It's like multi-timbral. Like, there's all kinds of cool, just bizarre sounds out of time <laughs> that you yeah can get i think from it.
2: well well yeah but i think
0: but there's also like oh yeah Peter it's Gabriel a sampler it, you know? yeah
3: it's a sampler <laughs> and it's a sequencer yeah and the sampler itself the longest sample that you can use is one second right. and you know each time you play there's a different note it the, the way it changes the note is to change the sample length so that's why everything sounds so super weird. And it has such a low bit rate that it has this crazy sound and it's just, and then the sequencer itself is kind of the thing about the fail light. And I I had to learn to use it for this record a little bit is that it's just like, so it's so complicated to use, but it only does like two things and it is so tactile and, I think Matt just kind of enjoyed having that being in that box and uh, that allowed him to just get really creative,
0: having that stuff to work with and and kind of do something unique and cool with it. That doesn't, uh, yeah, exactly. Just having
3: those having those parameters was, was very inspiring to him. Um, and he has such a strong aesthetic sound wise that I think you could give him give him any instrument really. And it would end up sounding like him. So,
0: well, and that's the, that's the key. I think that's the key to a great player, right? It's sort of like, it's, if you have a, if, if you really have your own voice with something, then whatever you play on in some, in whatever way it will be distinctive unless you're purposely trying to obfuscate or something along those lines. Or like yeah. But I think
3: that them. ultimately that's, what's attractive about the individual or the artist, right? Is this, that subconscious that makes those sounds you can play two people can play the exact same instrument and it sounds totally different
0: yeah so i think it's so i want to get into also because i, I want to give some time to your solo work as well we can talk about the fair light all freaking day you know what i mean but it's, it, it, it's, <laughs> at some point it's like I, there you've got like a story discography and i want to make sure that we uh we 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 speak to it because it's <laughs> but but this is by the same token, I would do want to talk about the record, but when you're talking you hit on something where you know when you're talking about uh, fake front and the s- sort of the contrasting ideas being put together uh in this way when you have when you're working with stuff on your on your own record when you're writing songs, I mean there are songs that on the record you know the the production has gone in certain ways and certain ideas come forward where it's almost easy to forget that like for some of them like oh that started off on an acoustic guitar because you kind of get yeah. you get far afield from <laughs> from where you started off and that can that can a, be you, awesome I, but yeah uh, but there the where is that line for you like what how do you serve the song uh, for yourself versus in in a group setting
2: uh well for
3: me, like, for instance, I made Things You Should Know, which ended up just being a little body of work that came after I I left In Scope Records. And it just naturally was this low-key, mostly acoustic. That's just how those songs came out in the moment. You know, there was Backseat, which was written on acoustic guitar, but, you know, it moved over to this keyboard because we, we liked the sound that it created and the vibe. And that song ends with like a ten-piece horn section and yeah. a choir, but at the same time, it still, it still has that very low-key acoustic feel and feels very intimate and vulnerable. And then, also, there's for everything a reason, which is full band, but it it still sounds, it still has that similar vibe. And for Tiger Mending, there were a couple of songs that were completed during the making of Things You Should Know that ended up on Tiger Mending because it just wasn't, it didn't it didn't fit. It just did, you know, it didn't work with, it,
0: it, with the rest of them in context? or Yeah, yeah.
3: it just would have sounded stupid. So I just, I think it's one of my problems in a way is that I can't just allow myself to be one style of music, but at the same time, like you were saying, whatever comes out of me ends up being a certain vibe and a certain sound because it's me making it. So whatever the direction that the music is taking, it's still very strongly me. But I I really got into the production on Tiger Mending and I really just enjoyed it. I wanted it to be a big dramatic record with a lot of layers. That's what I wanted. I set out for it to be that way. Like, you know, you should... you will be loved it's so complicated and so layered yeah. it's kind of an opus in a way and i was i didn't want to constrain myself to like well i'm not going to put any backing vocals on this because i'm not going to be able to perform it live and i just wanted to make a piece of music for the record that was just it it didn't have those rules you know i think performance and recording are two different art forms and there has to be a way to, to to go from one to the other, even though they're not the same. And I used right. to have a very strong rule of like, I've got to be able to play it on acoustic guitar. And I don't know why. I think it was just <laughs> overt kind of, because I, that's how I started out. I started out my craft in performing as a solo acoustic singer-songwriter, and that's how I learned my chops in terms of playing live. It was an insane education. I toured the entire I toured the country with an acoustic guitar at the age of like eighteen or nineteen, in front of an an audiences that didn't give a shit about me. So <laughs> right, exactly. It was like I <laughs> yeah, just that, rolled my sleeves They're not on. necessarily
0: primed for. <laughs> for experiencing yeah, something but, that way yeah
3: <laughs> yeah exactly and also it was it was you know i don't know if you've heard my first record which is the first blood mystery which was basically a teenager just discovering yeah. her voice and not having these self-set parameters not having these rules that you kind of develop when people start saying what the fuck is that that i'm listening to just it was all it was just a big expression of rawness Um, Well, and that one is so fascinating because it's
0: sort of like it's I mean, I don't know if concept record is necessarily uh, appropriate, but there's definitely like a theme to it. And it's it's got such an interesting vibe just because of that. And but it seems so natural at the same time. It seems like just like, you know, oh, this is just how this came out.
3: Yeah, you hear me learning and it was recorded and mixed within 10 days because they didn't have any money. And it, <laughs> right. it just is what it is, and the bass player is playing stand up, and I'm playing mostly acoustic. In this, there's I think there's some electric guitar in there, but it's it's just a yeah, it's just a big experiment, really. And it was me dipping my toe into who I was as an artist, and I've I've, I've spent a long time being. I don't know how to say it, but I'll say ashamed. A little bit ashamed of it because uh, it's just so raw. But then, you know, I I, I quickly came to the realization that that is a beauty of that record, and it it's, is. It's it is what it is. It's a postcard in time.
0: And and it's a different it's a different kind of record too. And you said something kind of important that I think is, is something that people forget about is that. You know, sometimes people get locked in the idea of, "Well, how are we going to play this live? How does we be presented live?" Yeah. And there's also like, there's records and there's live, and it's okay for those things to be completely different, especially as, as... yeah. When
3: I well, when I first joined Pussifer, I was like blown away because they had veers for vagina and then we would play that's the name of the record by the way for people yeah. that don't know well i think why people... i'm saying vagina
0: <laughs> <laughs> i think i think people probably know if they're listening but yeah it, it is worth mentioning okay. for those that are just wandering in i guess yeah
3: <laughs> and then it was just okay we're gonna do these three different shows of the same album right but we're gonna do one country night we're gonna do one night with one band with a certain drummer and tim alexander on drums and and Matt McJunkins on bass, I think it was, and Matt Mitchell on bass. And then the other night was going to be Jeff on drums, Jeff Rita and Matt McJunkins on bass, and with different arrangements of all the songs. So right. there were three completely different arrangements of every song. It was the same set, but totally different. So it just made me it just reinforced that idea that like, it doesn't fucking matter. You can do whatever you want. Right. Like, because people, di- people interpret cares? the songs
0: differently depending on the arrangement, depending on the player, but it's still ultimately the same song. It just gives, gives yeah, you and, get a different vibe to and, it.
3: Totally. In some and cases also, very different. You just, <laughs> yeah. It doesn't have to be, you're not as, as much as the audience are an important part of the listening process. You're not doing this for them. Right. Hopefully if you're an artist, you're doing it, because you want to grow as an artist and better yourself. So whatever it takes for you to do that, if you want if like ten years after you release a record you want to do a show of that record and it's completely different instrumentation or it's on a fucking uh ARP twenty six hundred, right. like who cares? <laughs>
0: yeah.
3: It's that's what it is. And I, you you hopefully can put enough trust in your audience to be open to that and grow with you. I think it's 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 unfair to expect like you know what's 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 that what's that girl's name? God, I really should know what I'm talking about before I start talking
0: about it. <laughs> it's it's never slowed me down. <laughs> <laughs>
3: she basically put a record out and a lot of woke the woke women were really unhappy with the way she was singing because she was kind of it wasn't feminist enough for them Oh, uh,
0: oh oh gosh i know exactly what you're talking about
1: um, <laughs> Okay, glad you do oh my god oh gosh. my god i can anyway. i can't
0: think of it. you know what it doesn't matter we all know what you're talking about this this that okay. that, that mindset that um that framework
3: (laughs) yeah just uh, the point the point is she's a fucking artist and yeah it just so happens she's a huge artist and at that point people tend to feel a certain kind of ownership over it which is is it's not right she should be able to grow as an artist as a human and you know if she wants to be vulnerable and have that sensibility yeah, do from the like, fifties I mean, or whatever. She's let her do it. She's she's expressing it very very well, and there's honestly enough people that want to listen to it that you know keep her relevant. So you know, I just think this attacking of artists for not being a certain thing sometimes is losing the the point of what art is. It's and you know. And what an artist is. They're they're a human being that are growing and learning within within their craft. It's their way of processing the things that are happening to them in their life. Like it's right. not it's not an answer for you that's handed to you to to live your life by. It's just it's more of a question.
0: And I mean that's been the case for a long time. Look at Bob Dylan. Look at, you know, Dylan going electric. Yeah. Oh, it's such a betrayal. And it's like, well, <laughs> it was never yeah. there for you. Like you know, you're welcome to have, have that reaction to it if you want. But this is—he wants to rip it up with the band, and you know, no right. one's gonna stop him. He's Bob Dylan.
3: <laughs> right, but he's he's cast iron. Like no one's ever gonna stop. Oh with yeah, that. I mean Dylan's
0: but, like the you know, in, in a way, like the most punk rock.
3: <laughs> he dude is absolutely ever, he the just most does punk rock. He and, wants. But he's also <laughs> the most articulate and brilliant lyricist. That yeah. you know, ultimately. You, you can never, you can never break that.
0: Viciously smart. He's too. the best.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And he'll like lead you around the you know, around the houses in a in an interview, and you you won't know where the fuck you're you're going or being led.
0: And it's like a cat <laughs> playing with a mouse or something. Exactly. You know? <laughs> it's just, just like okay, exactly. You, you got to know the rules of engagement here. He's he's probably going to be dicking with you.
3: Well, that's the other thing. He's like, okay, the the story or the entertainment or, you know, the way you're made to feel on listening is more important than the truth in a way.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. don't. And and
3: that's okay too. (laughs) Yeah. That's okay too.
0: Don't let the truth get in the way of a good story, right?
3: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's a mystery that that he can maintain too. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about.
0: No, no, no. But, but I mean, I think there's – because there's – there there's those kinds of things in your in your own records as well where there's like certain phrases or something that just are full stop like whoa, like kind of make you pay I mean, so we we're talking about tiger manding, right you know, pick up the phone and pregnant with your baby is like, oh what? yeah, wait, what <laughs> yeah. In, in in a good way, right because immediately it gives you a full stop of like, okay, what's happening right now it for the people and granted, Full disclosure, I know there are people that just don't care about lyrics at all. And like, that's okay. Yeah, that
3: blows my fucking mind. Uh, yeah. That blows my mind. Like, <laughs> I, I, to me, there's nothing without lyrics. That doesn't, you know, I don't know. I can't get there. I can't get there. But then- I tried. I tried my entire life. <laughs> I have a three year old son. Uh-huh. And if I have to listen to A, B, C, D, more than two or three times in a row I start losing (laughs) my mind like I I I just or baby shark or whatever I'm just like maybe it makes me a bad parent but I (laughs) there's a certain thing that happens in my brain or my mind if I'm listening to something like that and maybe I'm contradicting myself in that art should be whatever it it wants to be and it's not up to the listener to to decide what it should be but I you know I just can't do it. I have to have something to get my teeth into lyrically.
0: Yeah, and and so, and but of- I will
3: say, when I started writing songs, it was. Ba- I I was never a great musician. It was just a vehicle for my for what I wanted to say. So I feel like my first passion is words and lyrics, and you know, maybe that's just a big part of it. Is that that's for me? That's why. I became a musician that but that's why that art form appealed to me I think just because I could just flap my lips all over it
0: right but then you have the situation where you have the division of, of your your own work you know your own records mm-hmm. and things that you're doing and then you have to fit into this you know larger construct of which which is not uh <laughs> not rule, not ruleless, but somewhat limitless in how you can explore things, but there is this disconnect where you know people people want to analyze, you know, whatever reason. Like people, when you're a certain level, people really want to analyze, and that can be annoying because it's almost to the detriment of like the overall whole. Uh, and the analog I'll use for this, I don't know if you're a David Lynch fan or not, mm-hmm. but Twin Peaks: The Return, like the the most recent Twin Peaks series. I was, yeah, I
3: haven't bought myself to watch that yet. Such a fan of the original, but
0: it's fantastic. But the way that okay. he presented it is just utterly fearless and just doesn't invite any kind of explanation at all. Of course, and of it's course. it's so <laughs> I, I got it. It was it it was so refreshing because it was it was especially for you know I would say like the contrast for it is that the uh, at the same time the Game of Thrones. Uh, series where they re- where the writers ran out of source material
3: <laughs>
0: yeah that season happened at the same let's time let's
3: not talk about that <laughs> uh, well let's but, not talk about that gargantuan disappointment
0: yeah so 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 the <laughs> contrast between the two was just like oh my god and it was so refreshing in that way uh but i actually like the way that you know that there is this you know not everyone's entitled to have the the explanation you know written out for them and you know, well, the thing about, with, with footnotes necessarily either
3: well the thing about twin peaks in itself is that the first time it came out it was blowing people's minds because right. it was just so outside of whatever they'd ever seen before and actually game of thrones was loaded like that too completely it was agree. Yeah. shocking and it was you know giving you emotional reactions and confusing you and doing whatever so i just think it's it seems kind of perfect that the, the return of Twin Peaks should leave you feeling the same way. But yeah, that the problem is people have decades of what feels like ownership over the original. So they feel like it should be a certain way. And David Lynch has always been one for it, saying, fuck you.
0: Right. Cause like something that seems like it came from another dimension back then is sort of like, Oh, well it's prestige television. Now that's like all TV shows. They've, they've yeah, you know, in a, in a certain way. And, and with.
3: You changed the world once. Yeah. Now you have to keep it the same. <laughs> right. Exactly. And you just,
0: <laughs> and this, this series, it just doesn't do that at all, but it keeps the same, uh, it keeps the, the, the same uh, continuity. And yeah. I feel like it does honor to the story even by not, over-explaining itself, uh, yeah, or, or explaining okay. itself in any I'm way. I'm
3: gonna have before. to watch
0: it so I know what you're talking. Yeah, about. Gonna <laughs> yeah. Watch <laughs> and report back to me, <laughs> would you? Now, uh the but but it's and the reason why I'm going to this long, involved thing about David Lynch isn't just because I David I love David Lynch, but I feel that there is that not purposeful upsetting of expectations, but just lack of willingness to explain, but a full invite to come along for the ride. Uh, yeah, with all these records, and, and to have a like, it's not meant to be, you know. No one's being a jerk about it, but it's also, you know, you're not going to get a guidebook necessarily to this. Music. Yeah, I
3: think part. I think an important part of, particularly how how Mainer writes lyrics, and it's easy for me to talk about his lyrics because you know I can say how great he is without feeling uncomfortable. Is that, um, you know, he has a way of Handing you this story that you have such a strong sense of, of what it's about for you, right. but, you know, without just laying it out for you. So he leaves enough space for the, the listener to be a part of the whole experience and take what they can from it. He he kind of guides you guides the way, and, but he does it so articulately and he obviously has a strong sense of what it's about while he's writing it but he's not going to give that to you. He's just going to, you know, he's just going to shine enough light in the cave so that you can see the outlines of, of what's in there, but then you're on your own from there. And I think that is the key to to his, his greatness on this record, honestly. And I think all lyricists that I, you know, I don't know. I think that... Can you hear me? Because I'm getting call coming through for yeah, some you're, reason.
0: You're, you're great. I just didn't want to interrupt. Okay. <laughs> I do that enough.
3: Um, okay. Uh, I think I got my point across, but then I lost my train No, of no. That. Well, it's evocative, right? For me, that's also what I try to... You know, with a lyric like, pick up the phone, and pregnant with your baby. Yeah. I spend probably weeks... To come up with the first line to that song, totally, and
0: yeah. But but, it, but oh it, man, it, when it hits, it hits, right? So, so it yeah, exactly. It the work, the and it's the,
3: it. the <laughs> first song of the record, and it sets the tone perfectly. And then, you know, it leads the way for the rest of the record. It's got your attention, and you know, it fits with the rest of the story of that song. But it doesn't necessarily. It's not telling you the whole story. It's telling you a, a little bit of the story, and then you can make your own mind up about the rest of it. And I, I think I try to do that. I try to do that as much as possible. Yeah, I, mean, I be- think once you start to try to talk about a specific thing and paint a specific story, you're pinning yourself into such a corner. It's, it's too hard. And like I say, don't let the truth get in the way of a good story someone else said that but you know what i mean we 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 right. distilled that down to that saying at it's, some point during I mean, this interview a
0: truism is a truism uh, no matter who said mm-hmm. it right yeah so do you do you feel that
3: you've
0: so is that, is that something where you know with with this partnership and and with this collaboration i mean cuz you have some of the things on this record where there can be a dichotomy between uh, a lot of different, a lot of different things going on at once. Like I mean, there, there's something uh, you know, like, like apocalyptical is almost like dancing, uh, to a certain uh-huh, degree. Right? Yeah. You know, if you go to the right club, I suppose.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: and you're able to deliver kind of these interesting sort of weird ideas that there seems to be this orthodoxy in, in rock music that oh, there's certain rules that you can can and can't do. And it just seems like it's not. I even... thought
3: we established that that was bullshit. It
0: is because I was going to say what I like about the, this, uh, the, you know, this band and this <laughs> record is is that there's just not even casual disdain. It's like complete non-buy-in to any of that. And so what I was going at with this <clears throat> is that you know is, is there is there something? So which are there any songs on this record that you feel like oh I've never done that before? This this is something that I didn't. I didn't feel like it could be the whole thing.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I think the the bullet train of Iowa is just kind of has that bluesy rock feel that kind of nods back to conditions of my parole vibe. And, you know, that's great, but I, I feel like that's an area that we've covered before. again, It's still interesting because it has the addition of the Fairlight and the Synclavier and all of that kind of cool, digital, weird stuff. But, you know, Bread and Circus for me, just even before any of the vocals were on it, before I may not even heard it, I was like, this song is just something about his intuition with the sounds and the melodies. It was already there for me. Like, And I remember feeling this and then Maynard saying it at a later date, like, I just don't want to fuck that one up. (laughs) Like you want to... Because you
0: dig it so much, you want to make sure that it's... Yeah.
3: Yeah, again, you're serving the song in every way. And I think, you know, with that one particular, like, that's the thing I'm talking about with Maynard in that, like, I just wouldn't have known how to approach that song without stifling it. And Mena just totally, he's very good at the poem minimalism thing. And then, you know, he will leave, he will do something rhythmic and then just leave it open for me. He'll just unlock that door. And then, you know, there's a part like halfway through where the poems and powers. And then I come in with this like crazy rhythmic, like, um, into play rhythmically yeah. just unlocking those little doors or it was something that I already wanted to do. And I don't know, I think the song just led us both to like a similar place and he started off for me and then I, you know, finalized that idea. And it was, I don't know, again, I don't remember the question, but no, no. I think that, I feel like that song um, is, it's the, is the heart of the record really well, so, yeah, for me so, not for him I'm not talking right, for right, anyone right. You're else just... you are
0: speaking for yourself but yeah so we're talking oh, yeah. about stuff that was like new and surprising and, and i think what, mm-hmm. what what you're driving at with is that some of the kind of uh, are not surprising necessarily but you know what i mean the uh, i don't know
3: it's kind of surprising a little surprising maybe i think
0: <laughs> but
3: some well, of that's... i don't think that i don't think you're going to hear the first 30 seconds of that song and know what's coming next <laughs> like this just I guess it is a surprise yeah <laughs> uh, it's uh, it might not feel it, it's still, when you're listening, the journey feels natural and, you know, you like you're following the right path, but it's still, without even realizing it, you're being, you're being led on that journey and it it's, it's unexpected.
0: Uh, and, and what you're talking about with that one too is sort of, that's the advantage to leaving space and, and trusting mm-hmm. in your collaborators to like, okay, I'm, I could fill this with a thing, but I'm going to mm-hmm. let... Let the let the team kick in and do something cool here, and that kind of makes, and and that's what makes yeah. it true collaboration. I would say, personally.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And it lets everyone it lets everyone shine. It's shine theory in action.
3: Mm-hmm. I agree. So there's a lot
0: of. You know, again, the the nice the the, the there's an element. I think we we covered it earlier. There's kind of an element of. Not abandoned necessarily, but certainly uh focused I- enjoyment of of playing with the process playing with the, the form et cetera, et cetera. i mean there's also been a lot of stuff in the history of the band that are you know just kind of wild Th- like i mean i'm thinking about uh you know balls to the wall right mm. <laughs> <laughs> like, first i heard that was like is this an accept song and then it was like oh yeah it yeah. is uh and it's sort of like a a full embrace of the absurd again going back to you know your monty python almost like you know just that yeah
3: i just i just think there's that sense of like expect the unexpected and when something kind of starts to settle into a thing it gets broken and taken a a different direction like oh you think this is what we're supposed to be now well fuck you we're something (laughs) else and it's not it's not that it's being forced it's actually is what we are we can be because because fuck you why not and also you find yourself enjoying it like who enjoys that song nobody (laughs) but but, when when you hear us do it live it's 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 i don't know i think that that's the art of like taking something unexpected and putting it within a certain picture and you know, it's like an old Renaissance painting with a picture of a flying saucer crashed in the middle of it. I I don't know.
0: It's <laughs> right. just yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the incongruous in- elements, but somehow yeah.
3: it works. <laughs> I just love that about it. It's never boring, and also I don't fully understand it. I'm not. Sh- I'm you know I'm not sure. Remainer does either. on that. Like it just is. It's intuitive and it's it's wrong and it's right and it's possible.
0: Tell me about. <sighs> For the live show, I mean, and, and again, uh, just to do a quick reset, there is, again, for folks listening to this at, you know, at the time of this airing or uh, shortly thereafter, there is going to be this this live stream uh, that, we, that we talked about at the beginning, and uh, folks should definitely connect up with that. But as far as presenting this material live in general, like I mean, it's there's so many ideas and so many different elements and sounds and things along those lines. Putting that together has got to be,
1: uh,
0: it, it has to involve some degree of, of pretty articulate planning, I would imagine. I mean, mm-hmm. so are you working out what song is going to be played well ahead of time and, uh, and kind of planning it out well, more like, playing... like a stage show? Or
3: <laughs> we're playing <laughs> yeah. the, it actually was simplified to we're playing the album top to bottom. Oh, okay.
0: There you go. Easy. Yeah
3: yeah with uh, a couple of other little treats in there, so in that way, it was easy because it was gonna it's literally gonna be the first time anyone hears a record maybe Well, I <sighs> suppose not crazy? over the pond, yeah, and i I don't know if I said this to you already or in a different interview today. It's all blurred, but <laughs> it's uh, you know, because it's in Aresante and it's this weird place, and it's the set is so beautiful and you know, you're taken on this journey. It's not going to be just like listening to the record live. It's going to be its own experience of listening to the record. So I think, you know, that's what, you know, that's what we wanted to give to the listener. It's not just going to be like, well, why would I bother watching this if I'm going to get the record in a few hours? It's like, oh no, this is different. This is its own thing. I think we're also like premiering, a video to to a song at the beginning of it. And then there's also some other cute little weird things happening, of course.
0: Well, and you'd be hard pressed to come up with a cooler set piece <laughs> for where to have True. it. You know, even if you were like, Hey, yeah. I'm going to ma- I'm going to do some mock-ups of something that I want to have, you know, be, be the background for this. It's like, Oh no, like this is actually weirder and cooler than that. Like it, it's such yeah, a beautiful it's not, location.
1: It's
3: not something you could have, thought up i think and it's also in arizona which is an important obviously a really important landscape for maynard
0: yeah absolutely so and that's something that i think is super cool too because i think arizona almost gets a bad reputation uh sometimes that people forget about you know there are whole communities like you know sedona and, and things like the painted desert and stuff along those lines where it's like it's kind of a refuge for you know for lack of a better term unique weirdos doing their own thing and
3: oh that's it's interesting you should say that because I've heard Maynard say something similar but not the same it's kind of it's a it's it's become a home for wandering artists right um you know the kind of you know people that were wandering through ended up staying because it's I don't know it's it's kind of a hostile landscape in a way it's not easy to live there it's not easy to to work there but I think maybe and this is me talking about him maybe there's something about the autistic temperament that needs something to fight against to kick against right. in order to feel like you're living like you're alive and I think you know it is you know, we, that old kind of cliche of when an artist becomes comfortable, their art becomes shitty. <laughs> <laughs> totally, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I just feel like, you know, maybe it's that. Maybe it, it just feels so, it's not like humans are supposed to live there.
0: Yeah, and, and it <laughs> removes distraction too, just by nature of it being, uh, you know,
3: of survival, yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, 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 it makes you focus in, in a way that yeah. uh, maybe you wouldn't get if you were in the heart of, like, you know, metropolitan Manhattan or, or Los Angeles or something along yeah. those Yeah, although
3: that's a survival. Yeah, there's itself. a different kind it, of
0: survival involved there, yeah. <laughs> for sure. uh, so.
3: Yeah, it's like the desert version of of uh, Manhattan.
0: Well, <laughs> and it almost seems to bring out certain creative elements to that – only seem to happen when people are exposed to environments that are free from distraction and noise
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I think that's I don't know there's there's probably someone that's you know made some you know, l- longer think piece or documentary about uh, those heady concepts so we don't need to cover it here but I, I think it's something that informs, it informs this band in a certain way, but not necessarily in a way that's immediately definable by genre, if that makes sense. Like it's, it kind of makes that yeah. open creativity mindset, like, of course, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you use a Chapman stick? Why wouldn't you use a Fairlight Yeah. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> yeah. Well,
3: I also, you know, I just think that each artist has their own version of that, has their own version of the Arizona desert. And I think what's important for each individual one is to find that space, and and protect it, you know. And you know, while Matt isn't at home necessarily in the Arizona desert, he has his own space, and he uh, he locks himself up in his studio and works on the, a day-to-day basis. And then I have to get into my own headspace and my own st- st- way of finding my subconscious, but. You know, I think ultimately the key is to to protect that and to try to get to it as much as possible. And the thing about the people in this band is that they're not waiting to be struck by inspiration. Right. They're fucking there. They're showing up every day within the allotted time frame and doing what they do and working at it. And that's what's opening the door. You've got to show up and be present.
0: Yeah, there's there's the idea that you know, especially in popular mythos with music and whatnot, it's like, oh, it's divine inspiration. You know, the creative lightning. It is, but above. you
3: still have to be there. But there's still work. Yeah, exactly. It's, <laughs> it's there's there's a something perspiration divine you about it, but you, you have to be, you know, at the receiving end. you got to be there. Otherwise, it's just going to float away.
0: I, I think about, you know, Nick Caves talked about that, how he, you know, every day, like he... You know, puts on suit and tie and, like, goes to his, his piano and, and, and works on it. Thanks,
3: fucking the Lord for Nick Cave. Yeah. I mean, to have an artist like that in our lifetime who has the body of work that he has, who has the history that he has, who has talent that he has and his turn of phrase and, you know, to someone who can be so, so openly talk about collaboration, his process. and totally demystify the 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 process of being an artist in a but in a way that it's so it's so honest and it's so beautiful that it still is incredibly mysterious because he's still living the kind of life that the a normal human being wouldn't be able to. Yeah yeah yeah, but, yeah
1: exactly
3: <laughs> <laughs> No, it, But, it's, you know, it's, I've, it's never, I've never I've known anyone in <laughs> history to 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 crack the to, to make them their process and, the, you know, their history that available to the general public. And I think it came at a time that people needed it. You know, it's great.
0: And, and it's a move that, you know, some some artists. Some writers, however you want to term it, would feel like that would somehow diminish the art, and I, I think the. But opposite. it doesn't. I think it's the absolute he, opposite. I think it's like a It
3: doesn't because he's a true artist, right? And that's why it doesn't. But he's, you know, someone also might say, "Well, this is egotistical." Yeah. So what? Like, <laughs> who fucking cares? I mean, to just put a like an art exhibition of too. your entire history. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, but, he, you know, in one of the movies that he made, he right. actually said, like, when he first started, when he first started, he just had this idea that he was going to have, like, a Nick Cave Museum. And he was, like, just <laughs> he even said, like, how egotistical. And they made it happen. So the, pro- the thing is, even an artist needs goals like that. And if those goals are egotistical or and wherever that comes from whether it's your fucked up parents or things that have happened through your life or whatever whatever keeps you focused it doesn't matter like it there's no rules and there shouldn't be any judgment if what you're doing is making shit and it's good and it's you're doing it um for authentic reasons and it's getting better the more you do it like it, does, it doesn't It does matter. That's, that's all that matters.
0: Yeah, it's certainly not shameful to have have goals and have co-will things into being. Far from it. In fact, I think there should be more intent in, in a lot of things in the world. But then also you have to counterbalance it with not letting that be blind intent, not letting the world.
3: Well, that then turns into, that's the craft that you're, you know, the, the creating would, would hopefully be, for the most part, subconscious and th- those ideas that have that mystery, and that's where the craft comes in, where your conscious mind comes right. in and arranges it all so that it's it's good and it's listenable and it's it's building on something that you've done before and it's you know it's it's pushing you.
0: So I want to. And and Karina, this this has been great, and we're going to start wrapping up fairly soon, but I would feel it would be disingenuous for me not to ask you about Tears for Fears, because that's so fantastic and so cool, and so (laughs) from from the perspective of being on the outside, it was like, oh, cool, that's, oh, cool, all right, (laughs) right on. How did that come to pass? What did you learn (laughs) from it? Can you tell us just uh, anything about that? Because it's such an interesting case of a cool thing and another cool thing kind of Venn diagramming over Yeah, her. those
3: are those guys are my friends and I've known Kurt Smith since I've been in LA. It's been about 15 years. And, you know, I think one day it may have been like right after I left Into Scope. I think at some point I was somewhat I just felt like I wanted something completely different and outside of what I had been doing. I needed a breath of fresh air. I needed to, even if I started doing it and hated it, I just needed to know that I needed to know what I hated and what, who I was again, because that whole experience with uh, it was, that's to say it was hard to keep a really good grip on what I wanted. Sure. And so, you know, the Herding was such a great record for me. It was so important to me. And talk about Fairlight and
0: being <laughs> yeah, it being comes back to the ra- Fairlight, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> and just being in a raw space and giving an giving to artists just the space to create and and do what they do without really, you know, they were in Abbey Road for a year making that record, and they were seventeen years old. It was it's just a brilliant piece of work. What a great first record. And that was that was important to me. So, you know, and knowing him as a friend, I was just like, if if you if you ever need this, let me know. And then at some point, probably five or six years later, he he asked me to go out with them and open for them and also to to be in the band singing. So I did, and it's just—it's a good experience. It's, you know, the music, particularly hurting in big chair was just. There's no arguing with that shit. It's yeah. important stuff.
0: <laughs> it, it doesn't even need explanation. It doesn't. Need, it's just. Yeah, like, yep, exactly. So I is. mean,
3: like, why? Why not? And it's funny because when I first joined them, and I i think they wouldn't mind me saying this they had gone down this weird road of like playing casinos and planes oh, like right. weird set getting paid lots of money but like generally not not feeling excited about stuff and then um and then we'd, we'd start playing these festivals. They got new management, and they started playing these festivals, which were had a lot of young people there. And I remember at one point Kurt being like, God, these people are going to hate us. They're going to wonder who these fucking old people are. And we we're headlining these festivals, you know. And we'd walk out on stage, and it would just be a sea of hipsters right. losing their shit.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> awesome.
3: I think that was, it it was awesome. And it's something that I knew in my heart was going to happen because first of all, I'm like 15 years younger than those guys, but I, I, but I know how important it is to people, those two records in particular. And I, no matter who you talk to, old or young, one of those records at least means something to them. So it was, it was, it was nice for me to see that happening to them, just generally coming to the realization that their music was still important to young people. And I don't know, I feel like that had a, it changed their vision a little bit in terms of, okay, we're going to make another record, you know, and that's what they're working on.
1: That's awesome.
0: And,
3: they're, and, and I will say though, they've been making a record for a long time and they're pretty, uh, for, You know, whatever you think of it, they're pretty uncompromising in what they 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 wanted to be good. They've like discarded 10 songs, I think, and started again just because, you know, it's important to them. They still have that kind of connection with it.
0: Well, I think when you have songs that have that amount of cultural weight and have that thing where people discover it every year and connect with it in that way, it's almost like you're competing with yourself. (laughs) To Exactly
3: (laughs) Yeah and I think you know just from what I've Seen that and again I'm just talking from my own point of view um, I feel Like that weighed on them a little bit You know especially when as they Were inside this little like bubble of Casino world and not really seeing How the outside world felt about them And not in that way not being able to Reflect that (sighs) I, I feel Like there was that sense of like trying to recreate the thing that they were or, you know, trying to deliberately maybe even just go in a completely different direction because that was, it was too heavy, but I don't know. I feel like they finally come to a point where they just want to create stuff. That's good.
0: It's not a bad place to be when you're an artist, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, So, a few things uh, for the so for the new record you know we, we talked about it i listened to it i think it's great i like I, I said i love the whole modus operandi with the, the fbi agents i love that i i actually didn't notice um until i decided to look at the merch site that there's i don't know do you, you call them act- they're not action figures they're uh bobbles
1: they are action figures are they
0: action figures? figurines, figurines they're right? heads
3: that are in action yeah
0: <laughs> uh yeah, and it's, yeah, isn't that it's that's cool? awesome. I didn't
3: know about that <laughs> until I clicked on the merch and um I want one to give to my kid. Yeah, and they
0: look they look great too. They're like super cool. But there's there's also I mean if you know if you're not a figurine action figure type person, there's uh you know, there's a bunch of cool there's like, you know, sweatshirts, there's 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 vinyl, all the things that you would you would have mentioned. There's a bunch of, you know There's some
3: pretty cool posters and yeah, the sweatshirts. The merch is always really good with Pussyfer. They
0: always nail that. Yeah, but the figurines kind of blew me away. I was like, "Wow, that's mm-hmm. awesome!" <laughs> the
3: The lunchboxes and the figurines are
0: really amazing. Yeah, the the lunch boxes, yeah, totally. And you know, it's a cool record, and it's something where I think that there's things there's things in the record, like everything's like of its time, uh, to a certain degree. Um, but I, I found. I found that, like, at at the end, it's almost, like, hopeful in its way. And I think that that's something that's kind of important right now.
3: Yeah, I agree. I feel like, you know, one of the lines in that song is, raise a glass to our heterogeneity. And I think that's an important thing to remember at times like this, is that, you know, as a human race, you can choose. As an individual, you can choose to just be directed and get lost in the noise and like feel hopeless and not know when the fucking light at the end of the tunnel is gonna arrive or you can you can be hopeful and you can try to take a situation and make it good like even with this whole pandemic and I know I don't want to belittle the situation for anyone who's lost a loved one or you know the terrible things that that have come from it i feel like the one thing it has done maybe is just forced everyone in their day-to-day lives to just break break away from the noise and it's forced us to just realize the the fundamental things that are most important and that need to be kept on going for us to survive and I don't think that's a bad thing unfortunately there's like a whole there's a whole another blanket of political noise going on yeah just just above so that that we're never quite free of that but you know I'm I think for me it really just because you know I had to take my kid out of school and it that for me just meant being a stay-at-home mom and (laughs) and my partner also is an artist so we have to work that balance between us so that we can both still work and be creative but also we have a a small son and and I have a 12 year old stepdaughter so it just really it, it you have to get rid of like whatever the surplus superfluous stuff and really just work with what is most important and when I do get away and I have two, three or four hours in studio, I fucking work my yeah, ass Yeah, you wanna off. make it
0: count. Yeah, there's, of course.
3: Yeah, yeah, there's no there's no like lolling <laughs> for twelve hours thinking, Oh, maybe I'll do this or do this or maybe not doing anything and looking at my phone and whatever. I mean, it's my time is very precious now, more so than ever. And I'm glad that I I was forced to learn that lesson. I mean it happens anyway if you have a kid, but then when you have a toddler and you're in the middle of a pandemic, yeah, I'm sure exactly. millions of people know. You're just like, Oh, I don't have any time anymore. It doesn't exist. So how am I gonna make this work? And then it's you just you find your resilient side and you've again it you know it forces you to decide what it is that's important to your identity, you as a person, your authenticity, and to make it work, make it happen.
0: I think that's important. Uh, so, Karina, this this has been awesome. Thanks so much for spending so much time with me. Uh, I, Thanks. I have, I have a can question. That's the only can question I ever ask, and I just like to hear how people answer. You can interpret it however you like, but the question is, why do you do what you do?
3: Honestly, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I mean, there was never it was never a conscious decision for me. It just happened. It just like happened throughout my life. It just knew it. I knew it already as a child. I do what I do because I was always going to do that. To my detriment maybe at some point or, you know, for better or worse. That was it wasn't a choice. That's what I do. I know it's so cheesy, but it just it's true.
0: No, no. It's
3: so it's fuck there's you no
0: know. wrong answer and you can like I said you can interpret it however you like. And I just I, I like how people how like to hear how people answer and I think that's a that's a great answer. Uh, not not again, not that there's even an objective truth to any of it, but I, I think that's awesome. This has been great. Karina, thank you so Thanks. much. Thanks. Bye. Take, take care. Bye. There she goes. Karina round. Peace Uh that's awesome. So yeah. Pusifer Live, to get the uh, the Live at Arcasanti stream. You can get the new record, Existential Reckoning, anywhere you get your music. It's all available. Let's hear something from that right now. And thanks so much. phone. Pucifer. And of course, how can I not play at least some balls to the wall? <laughs> we talked about it. It's fair. This is the pillow fight mix off of the Donkey Punch the Night BP.
1: Enjoy.
0: the wall. Here's the last time. for Currying around, my guest for this evening for this 212th episode of Kona Neutron's Protonic Reversal. So happy to have her. What an awesome artist. Yeah, you're damn right, Sarah. What a gr- fucking amazing song. <laughs> uh, hey, so new piece of records out existential reckoning existential reckoning get that uh you know wherever you get your records i don't know spotify youtube local record store whatever there's a live stream event as we mentioned october 30th live in arcasante if you're catching this live probably already know about it. If not, it may have already happened in the past. Who knows? Time is a meaningless construct. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that last song uh, was the last time. And before that, we had Balls to the Wall. (laughs) (laughs) And the remedy before that. There's a piece for a website. they're on all the social media. You know this. You don't need me to tell you this. But the name of the show is Kona Neutron's Protonic Reversal. Thank you so much for listening to it. This show happens Thursdays, 8 Eastern, 7 Central, 6 Mountain, 5 Pacific. The sound of my voice. On RadioNope.com, broadcasted live, podcasted later, everywhere you get your podcasts. I've got
1: 50,000 watts of
0: power. ProtonicReversal.com for the archives. Uh, if you want the episode sooner... Uh, you say you missed part of it tonight or whatever I just like the idea Supporting something like this $1 a month Patreon.com Slash will get you Advanced access I think I might have mentioned before.
1: This microphone Turns sound into electricity
0: Thanks for tuning in everybody
1: Can you hear me now?
0: Stay safe out there
1: Out on Route 128 the dark and lonely Take
0: it easy got my radio on. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now?
1: This one goes out to a special girl. There is no special girl! It's It's the end of radio. The last announcer plays the last record. The last what? Leaves the transmitter.